Taking the discussion from zero to 100 in seconds. Radio 111 presents Southern California's talk about cars and trucks. It's all revved up with Todd Bianco. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, I always like to start the show with news, and I guess this morning the House finally passed one of their infrastructure bills. As far as I can tell, uh, it's sitting on Joe Biden's, or it's going to be sitting on Joe Biden's desk in order to uh, have it signed. So apparently that's the that that will be what we're going to be living under as far as the EV tax credit, and that's the big number. Uh, they left the existing credit at seventy five hundred, except they eliminated the cap on all manufacturers. That means that the $7,500 goes back to uh, both Tesla and GM purchasers, which are both the, are, which are the two that had already lost the credit. So that goes back to anybody who buys a Tesla or uh, any General Motors product. There, there are limits, and I'll get to that in a minute. But then it gets to be a lot more if apparently it's uh, $4,500, in fact, additional, if it's built with union labor and it's built in the United States. So that's a little bit of a problem for Ford because the Mustang Mach-E, their you know, premier electrical vehicle right now, is built in Mexico. So, so it won't qualify for the additional uh, $4,500. And then there's one more thing on top of that, apparently, is the, there is a $500 credit if the battery is built in the United States. Now, I haven't seen the details of that, so I'm not sure what that means by built in the United States because most of these plants are, are joint ventures between like Ford and uh, Samsung or Ford and LG or Tesla and Panasonic. Those are all made in the United States, but they're, you know, there's partners, so I, I would think it would apply to that. So there's a total possible credit of $12,500. What they did then is they, uh, and here's how it works. The, uh, for vans, 69, no, let's see, vans, uh, $6,400, $64,000 uh, SUVs, uh, let's see, what is that? Uh, 69,000 and 74,000 for pickup trucks. Uh, those are the maximum amount of, uh, of, of, purchase price uh, that you can uh, you know, that will qualify and then you have to meet certain income eligibility thresholds for single filers with a just aggressive income of 20 of $250,000 or more you're you get phased out so if you you know basically they're looking at people who make less than 255 of $250,000 of a just aggressive income and if you're married filing jointly it's 500,000 uh, that's that's significantly down from the original proposal, which was 400000 for single and 800000 for joint filers. Now, the problem is, is that they made this, it's still, a, it's still a federal tax credit, and you still have to file your tax return to get it, and you have to be paying tax in order to get it. It is not a refundable credit, and it does not carry over to another year. So let's say you made, I don't know, $100,000, but after all your you know, deductions for various things, like property taxes, mortgage, charitable contributions, et cetera, you come up with an AGI of $75,000, and then the tax on that is $5,000 or something. You know, 
you're good and, and let's say you you qualify for a twelve thousand five hundred dollar credit well the most you're going to get is the, the you know credit for five thousand dollars and the rest goes bye-bye in the wind never to be seen again so this really benefits people who are making you know more money that's taxable not the people who are maybe are you, you want to promote okay so that's how it is right now it's it's sad that they didn't make should it should have been a refundable it should have been money refundable directly out of the purchase price of the car so the money should have been written out whoever was selling the car they're the ones that would get it because it would be deducted at the time you purchased the car but that did not happen okay uh, let's move on to LA-based Canoe, C-A-N-O-O. Uh, they have chosen <clears throat> a Panasonic cylindrical lithium-ion cells for its upcoming lifestyle vehicle. Uh, they, they revealed that a, few, a couple of weeks ago. The lifestyle vehicle is expected to arrive in late 22 and will start at $34,750. Uh, Canoe's team is focused on... Uh, continuous optimization and in crea- creating IP intellectual property in the areas of battery and module technology, higher uh, energy density and on a f- flexible thermal management platform, blah, 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 that contributes to and, and enhances the safety and lower cost of ownership. That all sounds good if they can deliver it. Um, their battery, battery modules are structured, uh, structurally integrated into the platform, uh, saving weight. This also sounds like they're copying Tesla because the batteries are what our Tesla's using. Uh, it's even more than that, though. Pan, the Panasonic 27, uh, 2170 cylindrical cells are identical to the ones used by Tesla in their Model S and Model X. Okay, and 2170 just refers to the size. It's 21 millimeters by 70 millimeters. Um, and they'll probably upgrade it to the 4680. Again, that's just a size 46 by uh, 80 millimeters uh, when those are being produced. The uh, lifestyle vehicle looks like a loaf of bread or a VW bus. It's actually quite cool. If you look it up, Canoe, C-A-N-O-O. If it actually comes to market, I think these are really cool cars. So let's see if it happens. Uh, BMW. Uh, has started production of the i4, which is essentially a four-door sedan aimed directly at the Tesla Model 3. Uh, the Munich plant where the i4 is manufactured is now almost 100 years old, uh, with the i4 joining the assembly line without requiring an extensive retrofit. Almost 90% of the systems in the body shop were adapted to i4 production without extensive modifications, BMW says tells us. Uh, the model's <coughs> battery pack is installed via a fully automated assembly system and attaches the battery from below and the main you know below it's actually below the main floor level um, of the assembly line the plant also manufactures the bmw 4 series grand coupe uh, which is essentially a four-door three series uh, which looks very similar by the way to the i4 uh, as well as the bmw 3 series sedan wagon and m3 uh, probably the M4 too, but they didn't have that in the article. Uh, BMW hasn't set prices yet, but it will be very expensive, probably mm, $75,000, $70,000 or so. It will be higher than the Model 3 as well as the Polestar 2. A recent article from Venture Capitalists looks at the per-vehicle amount spending on advertising and R&D by some of the major automakers, and it makes uh, for interesting reading. The data, which comes from the company's official 10K filings, uh, covers the 2020 uh, auto market, 
uh, of the five um, automakers considered, all except Tesla spent substantial amounts on ads, an average of $495 per vehicle. All also invest in R&D to improve their products, but none spends anywhere near as much as Tesla. For every car Tesla sells, it plows $2,984 back into R&D, which is more than um, more than the uh, U.S. Big Three combined. <laughs> it's 2.5 times more than as much as Ford, uh, the second, which is the second place spender, and almost four times as much as uh, Chrysler, which is you know Dodge Ram Jeep. Uh, the uh, and the R and you know, they're the R and D laggard essentially. Uh, it's interesting that Chrysler is also the biggest spender on advertising. They're spending six hundred and sixty-four dollars per vehicle. It's not a coincidence that Tesla vehicles are more advanced on the road, considering how much they they plow into their software. So it it is a big it is a, a major difference. Uh, Land Rover uh, has unveiled the twenty twenty two Range Rover. That's their premier product. You'll be forgiven if you think it looks exactly like the outgoing one. Well, because it does. Uh, it's, it, but it is on an all-new platform that will spawn a plug-in hybrid as well as a fully electric Range Rover by 2024. The base engine is a three-liter inline-six with 395 horsepower. Uh, it's also a bit of a surprise here that the new V8 engine is from BMW. <laughs> they didn't make it. Yes, the Range Rover will offer the 4.4-liter twin-turbo V8 from BMW, which should see at least 523 horsepower and 530 and 553 pound-feet of torque. Uh, new to the range is a seven-seat uh, model. They didn't have one of those before, and a three-row, which is a three-row long wheelbase Range Rover. Uh, this will also help the new Rangey compete with uh, things like the uh, BMW X7 and the Mercedes GLS and the all-new Jeep Grand Wagoneer, which all have three seats, three rows of seats. Uh, the 2022 Mercedes AMG SL has made its debut this week. I mean, the the SL is considered the the I don't know. I, I guess you would say the it's the halo for Mercedes. It's it's what they're all about. And, but now the SL program has now been given to the AMG division of uh, Mercedes. So it's going to be uh, you know a Mercedes AMG SL. Uh, the um, everything on this SL is new and shares nothing in common with the relatively unloved previous SL. Uh, the AMG platform uh, will share share its un nothing in common with the uh, with that. Okay, the AMG platform will also underpin the upcoming next generation AMG GT. Uh, the new platform also allows for standard four-wheel drive uh, and four-wheel steering, which has never been on an SL before. Uh, the AMG switch also brings the SL back to its sports car roots. Uh, the slower SL55 makes 569 horsepower and goes 0 to 60 in 3.8 seconds, while a more potent version of the same 4-liter twin-turbo V8, the SL63, is good for 577 horsepower and 0 to 60 in under 3.5 seconds. That's pretty good. Uh, both employ a nine-speed dual-clutch uh, transmission. Of course, the SL is still a great uh, grand tourer with lots of luxury baked in. That means air springs on on top uh, on the top-end model, along with new hydraulic a new hydraulic system that replaces a conventional anti-roll bar. Uh, the seats are big, plush, massaging seats. Mercedes' latest generation of driver's assistance tech, uh, Burmester. 
uh, 3D audio system, all cruising, uh, all cruising-oriented tech. Uh, you know, you're, you know, ever want will come on this uh, particular car as well. Uh, but we won't, you won't see it on the AMG GT because the AMG GT is more focused on just uh, performance. Uh, there are two rear seats. Good luck. You can fit maybe a you know a newborn in them because they don't you know there's no leg room. So very very small children. It's just a joke that they're there. But basically it's a nice parcel shelf. Uh, that's about it. The power, uh, it, you know, in the power insulated folding top can go up in 15 seconds at speeds of up to 37 miles per hour. The exterior is very smooth. No bulging fenders. No big wings. Just a very taut and handsome body. Uh, less imposing, but more more classically pretty than any of the AMG D GT Roadsters. Uh, inside, there are two giant screens. The center screen is a large portrait-oriented screen that controls most of the functions in the car. In front of the driver is another fully digital cockpit. If you like the new S-Class interior, you will like the new SL. Of course, all of this comes at a price. Uh, prices for the U.S. has not been announced, but the previous SL5 SL550 uh, started at $115,000. Uh, so the SL55 AMG will likely cost a, a tad more than that. The previous SL63 um, uh, started at $156,000. So count on that being more as well. Uh, first delivery starting the first half of 2022. This is a big deal because it's a halo car for Mercedes. And everybody remembers the gull wings that were on the SL300 uh, SL from the 50s. And, and that sort of like, you know, made Mercedes reputation, so to speak. And then in the world, everybody noticed those things. So having a new SL is always an occasion. We're glad to see it coming soon. This is Todd Bianco. You're listening to uh, All Revved Up on Radio 111. And we'll be right back. Radio 111 is talking all things automotive on All Revved Up with Todd Bianco. Welcome back. This is Todd Bianco. Um, let, let's, let's do this one story that just came out this week. The 2022 Toyota Tundra has been priced. The base Tundra, remember this is a pickup truck. The base Tundra starts at $37,645. Wow. Okay. Uh, Toyota is looking to combat the Detroit automakers and their truck segment dominance. Uh, but uh, thanks to the new equipment like a 3.5 liter twin turbo V6, uh, proper coil spring rear suspension, and large screens everywhere, the 2022 Tundra makes a great argument for itself. That is until you get to the pricing. Toyota has just confirmed starting prices uh, for the uh, uh, for everything but the uh, the uh, for all the non-hybrid Tundras. We don't know about the hybrid Tundra yet. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of money. Uh, the base uh, Tundra SR is the uh, $37,645. Uh, that gets you a truck complete with an extended cab, uh, 6.5 foot bed, and rear wheel drive only. 
buyers will have the ability to op, uh, you know, option a crew cab style, but the Ram buyers, uh, but like Ram buyers are limited to just two choices. A 5.5 or 8.1 foot bed option is also available. Uh, adding four wheel uh, drive brings another 3000 to the price tag, which easily pushes the base Toyota Tundra into the $40,000 range. For reference, the cheapest Ford F-150 starts at $29,640. Yeah. Should the standard model not prove nice enough, the SR5 trim, which I'm sure most people are going to opt for, brings a bit more tech to the equation. The truck starts at $42,450 and allows customers to option uh, spec uh, larger 14-inch touchscreen that they, you know, should they so choose. That screen comes as a standard equipment uh, in the (laughs) $50,595 Toyota Tundra Limited, which also features unique chrome trim and synthetic leather seats. The Platinum model starts at a $58,685 and brings upgrades like a 12.3-inch digital uh, gauge cluster, a JBL sound system, and a smattering of dark chrome accents. Uh, topping the lineup of the non-hybrid model is the Toyota 1794, which features, which features the mesquite, mesquite brown paint and a unique leather interior, and it starts at $59,385. Uh, the Tundra will also be available with a variety of different package options. For those who you know looking to hark back to the sport truck era, the automaker has a TRD sport package only offered on the SR5 model. The $2,195 no, $2, uh, package includes lowered suspension, a TRD grill, 20-inch TRD wheels, and finished in black, and a, and a leather TRD shift knob. Yeah, leather turd shift knob. Um, off-roaders can inspect the TRD off-road uh, package on the SR5 Limited. Uh, on the SR5, the Limited in the 1794, which includes upgrades like larger wheels, underbody skid plates, uh, mud guards, uh, Bilstein dampers, visual tweaks include a TRD grill and leather shifter. Uh, trucks uh, uh, equipped with 4x4 also gain an electronically locking rear differential and Toyota's various off-road uh, driving modes. The Tundra may seem a bit expensive, but it's worth noting that the Ford lineup certainly gets pricier as at the top end. Uh, Toyota's base level includes a bit more components in, in its, you know, compared to the Detroit automakers. Whether or not that uh, condensed pricing uh, win over American buyers well, has yet to be seen. That is especially true when you consider the prices for a more potent 3.5 liter uh, hybrid models uh, will be higher. Uh, Toyota says that we can expect to hear about those trucks closer to their on-sale date next year. Uh, until then, expect to see Toyota Tundras arriving at dealerships before the end of the holiday season, just in time for Christmas. Uh, you know, last week I talked about the um, uh, average price now for a car sold as being forty-five thousand dollars. You know, and not too long ago it was thirty-five. I mean, within just a few years, like two or three years, it's now up by $10,000. And that is because apparently we have an insatiable appetite for big, expensive cars. Uh, How do we pay for that? Well, when we come back, let's talk about how we pay for that and how we shouldn't pay for that. Because that, that, that is going to be 
you know, an issue when it comes right down to it as to, you know, what's going to happen with that. You know, people are, they're offering, I, I see ads on TV all the time, you know, zero down, 500 bonus back, you know, 5,000 less off the sticker, 0% financing, you know, 60-month uh, fine, you know, 60-month financing, uh, you know, and it's going up. 72 months was the highest one that you used to go to, you know, six years. That's changed. That has changed. And it's because people are buying ever pricier cars. So when we come back, let's talk about that. Uh, you know, should you be taking out an 84-month loan on your car? <laughs> this is Todd Bianco. You're listening to All Revved Up on Radio 111. We'll be right back. Up continues with Todd Bianco, your Radio 111 auto aficionado. Here's Todd. Welcome back. Uh, before the break, we were talking about just how expensive the new Toyota Tundra is, it's starting at nearly you know $37,000, $38,000, and it will, that, that's without any options. It's likely to easily push well into the $40,000, $70,000 range, depending on the level you get. Well, you know, how are people paying for this? I mean, I don't know too many people in my life that just happen to have an extra, you know, $75,000 to plunk down on a truck. They, those people exist. They're clearly they're out there. But most ordinary people, you know, can't really afford that. And a lot of people lease their cars like for three years. Uh, I know people who have gone, this is what they've done for decades, where they go they lease a BMW 3 Series. They don't even care what it is. It just says BMW on the front, and they've always had it. And then when, the, when just just before, like three months or four months before the three-year lease is up, the the same dealer calls them and said, "Hey, your lease is coming up. If you bring it in, you know, now we'll put you in a brand new one for almost the same payment. You know, five hundred. 550 whatever it is a month for this thing for three years and they say oh sure why not and they get it again and again and again and again so leasing is one way that people have turned to but they've also turned to an 84 month loan that is a very long loan people <laughs> that's you know that's a long long that's 70 that's seven years okay um this is not a good idea for 99% of the cars out there. Well, first of all, if you're buying a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or something that has really good resale value, uh, yeah, sure. But nobody's buying those cars with a loan. They're, they're writing a check for cash because they have that much money because that's their fifth Ferrari they have in their garage along with the other 12 cars. So it doesn't really matter to them. Nobody's going into the Ferrari deal or worrying how much the lease is. I mean, it just doesn't, you know, I'm sure somebody does. But for the most part, people are walking in there with cash and, you know, and their previous customers and, you know, 
all that kind of stuff. But for the you know the day in day out cars, whether it's a Honda Accord or a, you know Toyota Camry or uh, even just a Ford F one fifty pickup, you know for your daily life, you know those are thirty thousand, thirty five, forty thousand, forty five thousand dollar cars, and people can't afford that. People have not been making a lot more money, despite what you know we've been told. Uh, I don't know if people can do that. So what they're doing is they're turning to eighty four month loans, and. The problem with an 84-month loan is that you are tired of that old thing after about three years. You know, you're just like, oh, God, I'm still paying on this thing. I'm paying the same. Pick a number, 500 a month that I've been paying for the last three years, and I still owe a ton of money on this car. And then you say, oh, I'll pay for it another year. But then you're out of warranty. What happens when you're out of warranty? You say, well, I really don't want a car that's out of warranty. So maybe if it's standard, like a you know a Toyota Honda, it's a three-year warranty, maybe a longer warranty for other things. But uh, you know, a luxury car is usually a four or five-year um, uh, amount, I mean, a uh, warranty. But in, in any of these cases, 84 months pass, you know, blows past all of the warranties. And suddenly, if you start having repairs, you know, you're still paying the same amount every time for the same car that you're already tired of. But the problem is, is that when you go to trade it in, the dealer says, okay, well, you owe $30,000 on this car and it's worth twenty, And, you, you know, you don't have the 10000 you know, to make it up. So... What do you do? I mean, do you just roll it into another loan, or or, or what? What you know? What happens? Um, you know, this this is a, this is not a good you know sustainable thing. Uh, it's become the norm, uh, and you know, Consumer Reports wrote a you know a short article on this, and basically being upside down in an auto loan is fairly common. Uh, according to they, they found it, you know Edmonds research, 44% of new car sales involve a trade-in with negative equity. While negative equity isn't necessarily much of a problem, uh, you know, while you know while, while you own the car, you know, it doesn't really matter. You're still driving it. If you um, you know you, it can put you at risk financially if you decide to trade it in or if it is damaged. You know, the, the, the insurance company is going to pay you what it's worth, not what you owe on the car. You're going to have to buy gap insurance to do that, and a lot of people never even think of that. So if a vehicle is declared a total loss in an accident, you will still be liable for whatever the loan balance is that the insurance doesn't cover. That's also the case if you want to sell your vehicle and buy something else. A vehicle often depreciates faster than you can pay down a loan over six or seven years. So why do people take out loans that last longer? Uh, the simple answer is to make it possible to buy the car they want. Consumers have increasingly been gravitating towards more expensive vehicles, duh, such as trucks and SUVs. So long-term loans may be a way to offer, you know, to offset the monthly costs. Okay, you know that's that's from TransUnion. You know, a credit reporting agency. Yeah, great. Consumers may also be more re- receptive to a long-term uh, vehicle loans that are lasting longer. You know, when you know the vehicles last longer on the road. Yeah, right. But you're tired of them, according to True Car. Uh, you know, which is a partner with Consumer Reports that tracks the auto industry. Cars are, in fact, lasting longer than ever before, an average of 12 years. But do you keep it for 12 years? Uh, total loss accidents notwithstanding, keeping a vehicle paid paid for with a long-term uh, auto loan for many could, you know, technically work out, but it's seldom that simple. And you know, we know there are layers to vehicle ownership from people who flip leases uh, to new vehicles to people struggling to afford the payment of a sub, you know, a subprime, you know, loan. 
you know, that are eight to 10 years, you know, on, on a, alone on, on a vehicle that is eight or 10 years old. Um, this is a problem because that happens to a lot of people who can't, don't have great credit. They then have to buy a used car and that's not as reliable either. And they're, you know, that's what they're stuck with. And they're stuck with a higher interest rate. So, you know, the problem also is stagnant, house, stagnant household incomes, rising vehicle prices. Uh, that's the problem. You know, it's, it's, you know, sort of easy to look at, but it's not easy to afford if you're one of the households that's ever like everybody else that's stuck with not a very, you know, large raise in your income year after year. So then cost of ownership, uh, you know, if you want to, you know, you know, could easily exceed your monthly loan payment. Um, you know, payment, you know, deferrals while appealing to customers facing employment uh, instability and economic turmoil around, uh, you know, amount to kicking the financial can down the road. Deferral programs delay the onset because they don't actually say, because they did that during the pandemic. They said, oh, we'll just, you know, defer your payments. They still come due. So they deferred your payments for six months. Do you think those six months are going to disappear? No, they're tacked on at the end. So, yeah, a lot of this is stuff is just, you know, it's just very difficult. I don't think that anybody should, should even think about an 84-month loan, 84-month loan, unless unless you are one of the rare people who actually keeps a car for 12 years and keeps it well, you know, maintained and all those kinds of things. So I, I just think that's, you know, not a really good idea. I mean, if you really need something, you can lease it, um, but you're going to have to have pretty good credit to get a good lease rate. Um, yeah, it's just, it's it's a difficult, it's a difficult position to be put in. Uh, you're in the vast, vast, vast majority of cars depreciate 50% very to 50, you know, to 50% very quickly and don't come up from there. I mean, there's only one car right now. It's Tesla that, that retains its value almost 90 and in some cases at a hundred percent. Don't, don't think that that's going to happen for you. All right. Um, let's get back to some news. Uh, Toyota has unveiled the production version of its first purpose-designed uh, EV, and it's called. It's got a really bad name. It's the BZ4X, and the B is a small B. Uh, okay. The base model gets a. And what does that stand for? Well, let's go for that. It's below zero. Four, I guess, is the number that it's you know middle of the range, and X means it's all-wheel drive. Uh, let's see. The base model gets a water-cooled 71.4 kilowatt-hour lithium-ion battery. It powers a front-mounted electric motor rated at 150 uh, kilowatts, so 201 horsepower, and 195 foot-pound-feet of torque. According to Toyota, it, it uh, will allow the BZ4X front-wheel drive model to go 0 to 16 8.4 seconds with a top speed of 99 miles per hour. Okay. Uh, range will be approximately 240 miles, but it hasn't been rated by the EPA yet. The all-wheel drive model uh, will, uh, will get an 80 kilowatt-hour lithium-ion battery pack and should be good for 0 to 60 in 7.7 seconds. That's not a really good gain. Um, and in a range of approximately 280 miles. Again, not rated by the EPA. The BZ4X will offer advanced technology features, according to Toyota, including a solar panel roof to, cha to charge the battery while parked at a very slow rate, I might add. If you're lucky, you're lucky to add one mile if, you know, if you're out for a couple of hours, if that. Um, 
It's got Toyota's third-generation Safety Sense suite of active safety features and driver's assistance systems, a new multimedia system with over-the-air software updates, uh, a first for Toyota. I wonder how they'll do on it. And there's one other thing that they're going to do. They're going to do on the top-level model, it's going to be a steer-by-wire system. That means there is no physical connection between the steering wheel and the wheels in front. Zero. None nada. You're steering by just electronics. Uh, not many cars have this. Uh, this is, you know, and by the way, and they're giving you a yoke steering wheel, the same as Tesla did. But Tesla's not a, a Tesla's not a drive-by-wire. There actually is a physical connection. Uh, but the Tesla Model S and the Model X both have physical connections uh, and have yoke steering wheel. But Tesla, but uh, Toyota is going to give you a yoke steering wheel here uh, with um, drive with the steer-by-wire. The steer-by-wire system is called uh, One Motion Grip, and it does away with the you know the mechanical linkage. Toyota says it will provide a more it will provide more legroom, improved driving position, uh, and uh, improved driving freedom and ease of entry and exit. I don't know how that's possible. It will be able to. It will be available in selected markets, probably not the United States, at launch. And one motion grip replaces the traditional steering wheel with the yoke, as I said before, uh, that act that achieves full lock. And this is what Tesla didn't do and should have done. Uh, you know, sort of a progressive steering type of thing. They've achieved full lock with just a 150-degree turn with no need for hand-over-hand turning. It will launch in mid-2022 in worldwide markets, including Europe, U.S., Europe, I mean, I mean, Japan, and China. Okay, well, so it is going to you know, launch here. I should have read my full article. Um, product details for the U.S. market will be shared in mid-November. Well, we're in mid-November, and I have not seen it. Subaru will also get a nearly identical version of this car, but we haven't been showing it in production form yet. Uh, the 2022 GMC Hummer EV is now a Neiman Marcus 2021 fantasy gift. It will be a special Bear Jackson edition. It comes with some perks, though, and it should for $285,000. It features a custom interior designed by Barrett Jackson CEO Craig Jackson. Uh, the lucky recipient will get free delivery of the vehicle <laughs> to the location of their choice within the continental United States, probably Montana, as well as um, several other experiences, uh, including a trip to the 2022 Scottsdale Barrett Jackson auction, which you can watch on TV for free. Um, I'm sure somebody will buy it. There's only one of them. So I'm sure that somebody will buy it. I will not be buying it. John McMullen will not be buying it. Nobody I know is going to be buying this this, this thing. So for $285,000, it's a dream fantasy gift from Neiman Marcus. You know, hurry before it's gone. Uh, this is Todd Bianco. You're listening to All Rift Up. This is Radio 111 at Radio111.com, and we will be right back. Radio 111 showroom. Todd Bianco is talking automotive industry news and insight. 
All Revved Up continues. Here's Todd. Welcome back. You know, next hour is uh, always our fun hour where John McMullen and I discuss uh, bring a trailer picks and how our how our auctions did from last month, last week's picks. And so stay tuned for that. But I just have a little more news for you. Um, Amazon has revealed that it holds a 20% stake in EV maker Rivian Automotive. Rivian filed its IPO prospectus earlier this month, revealing new details about how closely enjoined Amazon and Rivian are. Amazon has contracted uh, Rivian to produce 100,000 electric uh, last mile vans, delivery vans by 2030. I've seen a few of them in Los Angeles already. And they're in various markets. I think they're in Seattle, they're in San Diego, I, I think San Francisco, Denver. There's, so they're, they're around the country. There's you know a couple of them in each one of those cities you know, testing. Uh, so the, um, uh, the carrying value of Amazon's investment is $3.8 billion, up from $2.7 billion uh, at December 31st, 2021. Okay, so that's a good that's a good increase. Amazon has invested more than 1.3 billion in Rivian, but its ca- carrying value is 3.8 billion. Good for them. I'm glad I'm glad they're making more. It's on its paper. It's not you know it's not a realized gain, but you know the the IPO is going to to do wonders for the value on their balance sheet. Um, by contrast, Ford's stake in Rivian is only five percent. Still, a good return on its investment of I think they gave them what, 500 million dollars or something. Uh, it's pretty good. So Rivian has talked about um, stock price, I mean, stock valuation, I mean, company valuation of 50 to $70 billion when it goes public, which is quite high. Uh, Volvo successfully completed its own IPO on Sweden's NASDAQ. How about that? Uh, Volvo gained around 200,000 new shareholders, and the company said that the IPO was substantially oversubscribed. Uh, Initial trading pushed Volvo's market capitalization from $18 billion to around $23 billion. Uh, Volvo is expected to receive $2.4 billion out of the deal, uh, which the automaker says it will use to fund development of next-gen EVs. Volvo has committed to offering EVs only, uh, in other words, their whole fleet will be electric by 2030. So after you know Volvo and Ford destroyed Volvo in the early 2000s, um, and you know they really did a bad job on it. It sold it to China's Geely for 1.4 billion in 2010. Yeah, uh, Geely you know, did invest heavily to modernize Volvo, re-engineer new flexible platforms, and uh, modern internal combustion engines. The investment was said to have been a $6 billion range. However, the platforms are shared by Polestar, Zeker, Z-E-E-K-R, which is Geely's new premium EV brand. Geely also owns Lincoln Company and Lotus, and the Geely brand in China. So it's a pretty big company. and a lot of this is shared across all these brands. So Geely is still holding Volvo's controlling uh, interest. It's a majority shareholder. So it went from being 100% down to, I don't. they didn't say what it was going to be, but it's still majority shareholder. So they still control the company. Uh, Fisker will show it, its Ocean SUV crossover, whatever you want to call the thing, at the end of this month at the LA Auto Show. Uh, we learned this week that Fisker and Chinese battery giant CATL have entered into a battery supply deal for the ocean, which will be contract built by Magna International in Austria. Under terms of the agreement, CATL will supply two battery packs for the ocean and a total of five gigawatt hours of cells of uh, 
uh, annually from 2023 to 2025. The two uh, packs include a high-capacity pack, including lithium-nickel-manganese, which is NC, NMC chemistry, and a high-value pack using lithium-iron-phosphate iron LSB, much less expensive, uh, reliable, but not as, as energy-dense. Uh, both packs will uh, support uh, charging at a peak of more than 250 kilowatts, so they tell us. Um, they're also designed to be supplemental, supplementary, supplementary charged through the solar roof. Um, yeah, good luck on that. Um, Fisker previously announced that it was going to have the solar roof. Again, it's going to be, it's a more of a gimmick because it just doesn't really produce enough energy to really do anything to charge your battery. Uh, Fisker also has a deal with Electrify America for fast charging, but didn't say whether that would be, you know, would include complimentary charging for customers. Uh, Magna is, will supply its own EV platform for the ocean. So essentially Fisker is, I don't know, maybe they're doing the uh, battery management, you know, electronics management or cooling system. And then the, you know, the, the, the dash, you know, obviously the styling, because the styling is their thing. That's what Henry Fisker does well, it's styling. But um, I guess they're going to be doing the software that's inside it that's controlling the car. Uh, we will see, because that, that's also very important as to how that's going to work out. It may look terrific. The question is, does it work well? And that's another, mm -mm -mm, you know, it, Henry Fisker has always been good at drawing a car. The question is, can his company, uh, which you know went public by a SPAC what, a year ago or something, or nine months ago, uh, is uh, you know is valued at a few billion dollars, and we're not even sure what they're going to do. I love the look of the ocean. We'll see the full production version at the LA Auto Show. I want Fisker to, to succeed because we need more competition within the arena. This is Todd Bianco. Next week, I mean, next after this, will be Bring a Trailer with John McFarlane. Uh, this is uh, all revved up on Radio 111. We'll be right back. the discussion from zero to 100 in seconds. Radio 111 presents Southern California's talk about cars and trucks. It's all revved up with Todd Bianco. Welcome back. John McMullen and I are here to talk Bring a Trailer this hour. Hello, John. Hi, Todd. Well, we've got another round of really interesting picks this week. I really like the, the ones you've picked, and so we'll be going over those in a few minutes, but let's first look at what we had from last week. There were some um, total shockers in both directions, I thought. Yes, th like, there were. I was surprised that there were some that didn't go for very much at all, and then no. there were others. Well, there's one that was a pick of yours yeah, that well. was just off the charts. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start with your uh, Lotus 23B. I'm surprised. This was a racing car that had been raced in various, you know, prestigious, you know, events around, you know, the, around the world for a few years. And it was originally outside the country and brought to this country. Uh, 
let's see. And it was it sold it sold for seventy one thousand five hundred dollars. That's a fairly healthy amount for a yeah. car that you know. It's, I don't even think it's. I don't even know if it's straight legal, but you know, it doesn't look yeah. like it to me. Yeah, I don't think it's straight legal. So I mean, I guess you're going to race it somewhere in the classic <laughs> section. I mean, you know, because they have they have races where it's classic cars. You know, for, right. for for their divisions and stuff. Those are out there, but it's a you know it's somebody's bobble to stick in their garage, essentially. Then you had that very odd 1986 Apollo Verona. I had not seen this. It's sort of a Frankensteinian thing with the the back of an MG, <laughs> you know, the back of an MG and the front of a of a Cadillac or something like right. that. It's it's um, uh, it didn't get a lot of love, but it's still sold for thirty one thousand five hundred. Yeah, I don't know what somebody's going to do with it, but I mean, there can't be that many of them around, and people don't know I what it is. I was kind of surprised that it that it actually went at that price. I am too. I would have thought it would have been like 20000 or something. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I would have thought that somebody had put a higher reserve on it. I, apparently it sold. I mean, I'm, I'm you just know. because it's an odd car, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think somebody just wanted to offload it. Yeah. I mean, you know. And it was and it was weird enough for, for a bringer trailer to bring it on. Yeah. Yeah. George died. Get it out of my garage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> then you picked a 1970 Chevy El Camino with 400 cubic inch V8 in it. And this didn't get a lot of love. I'm surprised because it, it's kind of a cool car and it only went for 20750 You know, I mean, that's a that's a fair price, but it didn't, you know, right. didn't get a ton of love for, for all that it had on it. Right. Uh, and then the Chevy Camaro RS four speed that sold for thirty seven two fifty, which I thought was a little lower on the lower end for that car. I did too. Yeah. I thought that that car would probably end up in the fiftieth range. Yeah, somewhere closer to that. Yeah. yeah, and it didn't it didn't get there, but it sold. I, I don't remember if it was not if it was a uh, no reserve or not, but it did sell, uh, which is a good thing, I guess. Yeah. And uh, then there was a nineteen eighty two Toyota four x four pickup truck, which sold five speed, which sold for fifteen thousand dollars, which I guarantee you is probably double what it was new. <laughs> yeah, but I also thought, I thought based it was on what be people more. would be paying for trucks brand brand new now. And yeah. If I recall right, it didn't have that much mileage. It was like 50 some odd thousand yeah. on it. And I, I was thinking for the shape that it was in and all that, that it it was probably a great buy at 15,000. I think so. I think I was expecting more in the 20s. Yeah. And it did not. But I guess it sold. I think it was a no reserve. Alrighty, then I picked this 1968 Toyota uh, 2000 GT, which is, uh, it was a, a left-hand drive car, which there only a few of those were made. Uh, it was white with a black interior, and it was just gorgeous. Right. Though the only, only a few hundred of them were made over the years that they made it. And boy, somebody paid a price for it. Oh, they paid $850,000. Yeah. These this are going to be the in one the, I think that when you first made me or aware of it, you you wrote me a note and said um, that you know that this had the bidding is had started at somewhere in the like high two hundred. It was two fifty. It started at yeah. two fifty. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> Here's a quarter of a million. There you go. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think these are going to be million dollar cars in the next couple of years. I think that's what's going to happen with these. Uh, then I had a 1972 Pontiac Grand Prix, and that sold for forty thousand two dollars. Interesting this price. Was the most green car we've seen in a long it time. It was very green. Yeah, green interior, green carpet, green dash, green everything. Like a metallic know. green apple. But it was Grandpa's car or Grandma's car. Somebody dropped dead. Yeah, and the family sold it, and it was in. It was very, in mint very, shape. Yeah, mint shape. It had very low mileage on it. So I yeah. think this, and th- but that one got some love just because of it. I mm-hmm. was just amused because the sale price ended in two. two. 
I don't know. Somebody, I don't know. Somebody thought that yeah. was good. Okay. Uh, then, then, <clears throat> then there was my uh, 1989 uh, Dodge Shelby CSX VNT, which I've never seen one of them before. I mean, it is not a, it's not a Shelby. I mean, and it's you know, it's a front drive car, front wheel drive car, but it had you know a turbocharged engine, and then it had you know uh, Shelby provenance and all that kind of stuff. And it was sort of a rare, you know, you just don't see them very more. But it didn't sell for a lot. It sold for sixteen seven fifty. So somebody's going to put that in their oddities museum. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to be driven much. Probably not. And then there was the nineteen eighty five Toyota Celica. Uh, GTS five speed that went for fourteen two fifty. I would have bet. I would have thought it would have gone a lot more. Yeah, because it was maybe because it was Canadian market. I don't know, but it was. I don't know. It just. I think that's really low, but it was a no reserve, and I really loved that car. And it didn't, yeah, it it didn't nice have car. high mileage. It was in very good condition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the nineteen eighty eight Volkswagen Scirocco sixteen speed. I mean sixteen valve five speed. Now this got some love. And uh, it was beautiful, black and black, and it was in very good shape. These are hard to find that are not beat to crap. And this one went for 31740 Again, way more than it was new. Yeah. So that, that, that found a new happy home. And I think probably the bidder and seller, you know, the buyer and seller were happy with that price. So I think that worked out for them. Um, yeah, I, you know, that, I think those were good. Those were good prices. All right. Now, now this week... Now, let's look at something from this week. Let's look at this first car that you picked. And I was shocked when I looked at the price that it's currently staying. It closes next, it closes tomorrow. Yes. This is a, let's see, this is a 1997 Toyota Supra Turbo six-speed. And it's, uh, let's see, let, let's read about it. Then we'll go over that price. I'll tell you, I want to just say up front that the reason I selected it was I wanted to kind of have you go over this with me and tell me why on earth would this thing be currently bid at 130000 because while it's a nice-looking car, yeah, I, I'm like, okay, but it, it's still just a Toyota Supra. <laughs> right, and I guess it's because it was the 15th anniversary edition and it was in a unique color that doesn't photograph well, which is deep jewel green, uh, and it has the, and it has a, it's not automatic, so it's, it has a, a Guttrag uh, six-speed manual transmission, and it only has 58,000 miles, and it's got the turbo engine in it. I still don't see but it. But 130,000. 130,000. Okay. The, there are a lot of comments on this car already, and most of them are, like, astonished that this car is already at that price. Yeah. You know, that they, were, they would have been a super purchaser at 50 or 60. But at 130, which is what it's currently sitting at, that's a lot of money. Yeah. So it says this 1997 Toyota Super, Toyota Super Turbo is finished in deep jewel green uh, pearl over tan leather and is powered by a twin turbocharged 3.0 liter inline six mated to a six speed manual transmission, limited slip differential. Equipment includes removable sunroof panel. Um, let's see, rear wing. 
chrome 17 inch wheels with wheel rash i might add i looked closely automatic climate control it is not automatic climate control it is just standard air conditioning i looked closely cruise control 15th anniversary commemorative badging and power windows and door locks the car was first registered in new york and spent time in massachusetts and california before being acquired by the selling dealer in september of 2021 uh this uh Mark IV Supra shows 58,000 miles and is offered by the selling dealer in New Hampshire uh, with the, that's interesting, uh, with uh, manufacturer's literature and service records and a toolkit and clean Carfax report and a clean California title. New Hampshire doesn't have sales tax, John. Uh, well, that explains uh-huh. it, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But if we're from California, why wouldn't you put it like up in Oregon yeah, well, or something? You know, well, who knows? The dealer was back; it was in the East Coast, yeah. so I guess this was their this was their Montana because it's I you mean, know. I, I like the I like the interior of this yeah. car too. I, yeah. I, I like the fact that you can take the roof off, um, but I just I can't. I even I even love the color; it's like a metallic forest green. Yeah, you know, um, and. There's a lot to like about this car. However, the price just—I don't see how you get there. No. Oh, by the way, it does have—it does have automatic climate control. I just looked again. I was yeah. looking at something else. It does have automatic climate control. But yeah, uh, it looks nice. It's very clean. Yeah. You know, it's nice. But 130,000, and I'm assuming it's going to go over that. I don't know. Maybe that's the end of it. I don't know. Well, I think somebody might have actually made a mistake when they <laughs> bid on it, no. and they were drunk. I I looked at the bidding history, and I mean it was you know let me see what what's because somebody had bid the uh, the bid was uh, uh, and they bid right after that let's see if I can find it here uh, yeah I mean at uh, twelve forty somebody placed a bid of a hundred and twenty four thousand four hundred and fifty six dollars, and then at one eighteen so not that much later you know forty minutes. Uh, they placed $130,000, which is from Box Full of Junk, is, is his name. Oh, you know, is his handle on this on the site. So, yeah. But, so, I mean, somebody was, I don't know, maybe they were having a, lo- a, lo- a long lunch with, I don't know. Yeah. Now, I'm not a b- big fan of the classic Thunderbirds, but I do think that sometimes they just really look sharp. And I thought that this one did this 1955 Ford Thunderbird that was my second pick this week. Yes. And it, it looks nice because it underwent a three-year refurbishment. <laughs> ah. <laughs> was completed in 1992, so a long time ago, and spent time in Maryland before it was acquired by the selling dealer in Florida in 2020. Uh, the refurbishment included repaint in black, uh, recovering the black and white vinyl seats, uh, replating the chrome trim, and replacing the black soft top. Power is provided by a 292 cubic inch V8 paired with a rebuilt three-speed automatic transmission and additional equipment includes body colored hardtop chrome wire wheels uh white wall tires air conditioning that's a big deal because air conditioning did not exist back much very very often back then uh fire extinguisher (laughs) i guess you need that and an aftermarket thunderbird stereo uh, okay and it's offered in seattle satellite beach florida satellite beach i haven't heard that one hmm you know that that that's a new one to me. I haven't heard that it's name. It's probably where the satellites fall out of the space. <laughs> it's, it's right and land on the shore just outside of the NASA Ex- operation. Exactly. There. It's next to Cocoa Beach or yeah. Pom- or Pompano Beach or you know one of those yeah. one of those beach. Cape uh, you know. Canaveral. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those uh, uh, you know one one of the ones on the coast there or something. But yeah, on on the I guess it would be the East Coast on the Atlantic coast probably. Yes. Yeah. So, but I you know I really like it. I think it looks really great. 
Uh, it's not. It hasn't. Doesn't have a lot of love, but it has twenty nine thousand dollars on it so far, which is actually pretty good. Yeah. I mean, that's really not bad. And, and you know, uh, the, the 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 AC looks like it was you know factory AC. It doesn't look necessarily aftermarket, but it could have been an aftermarket one that was added you know a while ago. I think it looks great. I don't know if it's going to sell for a lot of money because. Thunderbirds are not as in favor as they might have been maybe 20 years ago. When we come back, uh, my next car is one that I think that like a film studio should buy. I think you might be right on that, and they might. I mean, there's car, there's there's people who do nothing but buy cars that you know that studios go out and rent. This is Todd Bianco with John McMullen. You're listening to All Revved Up on Radio 111, and we'll be right back. Up continues with Todd Bianco, your Radio 111 auto aficionado. Here's Todd. Welcome back. I'm here with John McMullen. Hello, John. Hey, Todd. And we're doing your picks right now for Bring a Trailer auctions for, and we'll look how they do next week. I've never heard of a Graham Snark House, Shark, shark House, n- shark, pardon me, Shark Convertible. Nose. Shark Nose. Shark Nose. <laughs> it looks like a shark, right? Yeah. The nose, yeah. Uh, 302 powered 1939 Graham Shark Nose Convertible. I've never heard of one. It's kind of an oddball looking car, and, and if you're listening to our podcast uh, this week, be sure to go and click on the link to it. Uh, it, it actually, it's gonna uh, be finished up as an auction uh, tomorrow on right. Sunday, but it's a very interesting car. Yeah, it's this is kind of Frankensteinian too. Let's talk, let's see what it says here. This 1939 Graham shark nose convertible is a refurbished and modified example powered by a 302 cubic inch V8 paired with an automatic overdrive four speed automatic transmission which obviously, you know, is a new you know, new part. Uh, and and a narrowed Ford nine-inch rear axle. The car is finished in ivory and orange over matching interior and features include vintage air climate control, a Mustang two-type front suspension, electronic ignition, a four-barrel carburetor, an aluminum radiator, and an electric fan, power windows, electronic opening doors, that didn't happen in 39. Uh, Honda sourced front front seats with shoulder belts, a VW Beetle sourced convertible top, and, <laughs> and, and, yeah, and, and quarter windows. Yeah, and a 1950s Chevy trim piece, and 1950s Chevy trim pieces, a modified hood ornament, and a Pioneer CD stereo. So it's got like everything in it. Uh, the car was acquired by the seller seller's late father in 1988 and subsequently refurbished and modified between 2012 and 2009 before ownership was transferred to the seller. Uh, this modified Graham is offered with a California title uh, in Paso Robles, California. So yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one, but I don't think this is something that anybody's really going to buy for them, you know, for their daily driver or anything. No, I, I could see this though, as I was mentioning earlier, being used 
uh, in Hollywood in like a timepiece type movie. It'd be one of those things yeah. you just see coming down the the street, you know, on a, a 1930s, 40s right. era, you know. It looks show. like it belongs in Chinatown. I mean, in, you know, in the movie Chinatown. Yeah. I mean, it's that kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, okay. And your last pick is a one-family-owned 1970 Pontiac GTO convertible. California, I might add, uh, with the original California blue and gold plates. Uh, this 1970 Pontiac uh, GTO convertible is finished in black over sandalwood interior and powered by a 400 cubic inch V8 paired with a turbo hydromatic three-speed automatic. Features include a sandalwood power, a sand, sandalwood powered operated power operated soft top, 14 inch rally two wheels, power steering, power assisted front brakes, and Endura front bumper. Uh, I mean, those are the things when you could squeeze the nose of the Pontiac. Um, yeah, that's what they advertise you could do. A chrome uh, bu- chrome rear bumper, air conditioning, center console, power windows, and a Sony AM-FM cassette stereo. The car was purchased new by the seller's grandfather in California before being passed down to the seller's father and most recently the seller in 2020. Now, you know what I thought when I saw this thing? I was like, I could be styling like Mike Brady. Yeah, this is a very cool car. This, this is a Brady Bunch car. Yeah, this is this is a car. Well, it's, it belongs in California. It's perfect for the for yeah. the for the state, and it has air conditioning. Right? Yay! So it would work here in the desert. It absolutely would, and and it it looks pretty original. I mean, I, it could use a little cosmetic help here and there. Yeah, I don't really like the color, but. Um yeah, I think you'd like it more if you saw it like with a repaint in the original color or something. And, yeah, like you know, to me, this belongs in like a, a nice uh, sea blue. Yeah. Oh, there's some good Chevy colors. There's good Chevy blues from that year. That's for yeah. sure. All right. Uh, and then... I had one more. You did. Did you not see it? Oh, there it is. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. The there Mini it is. Cooper. Yes, a ni- ni- uh, yes, it is a 2009 Mini uh, mi- with only uh, 2009 Mini Cooper John Cooper Works six speed with only 17,000 miles on it. Uh, this 2009 Mini Cooper John Work John Cooper Works is finished in British racing green uh, metallic green metallic over carbon black cloth and is powered by a turbocharged 1.6 liter inline four paired with a six speed manual transaxle. Uh, equipment includes 17 inch wheels. Uh, comfort access, uh, climate control, automatic climate control, cruise control, a CD stereo, and a carbon fiber shift knob. The car has been registered in California since new and was acquired by the selling dealer in October of 2021. This Mini has 17,000 miles on it and is offered at no reserve by the selling dealer in Wisconsin. Two days to go, and it's only at 15 grand. I thought it was a good deal. Yeah, these cars sold for a whole lot of money back because you know when you get the John Cooper Works packages, it's a lot of a lot of extra money and this has you know some some pretty good options and this probably was a forty thousand dollar car yeah uh when it was new and it's, it's not getting a lot of love but you know it's it's two days to go fifteen thousand dollars mm, we'll see where it goes but i, I don't think it's going to get a lot of love because it's not it's not a bring a trailer you know like you know wet dream car no you know like some of them are but nope. uh, but the, i think it looks nice i think it looks nice inside and out it's been extremely well kept I like the seats. I like that they're, um, you know, cloth. Sometimes those are more comfortable. So, yeah, I, I'll, we'll see where it goes. I, but I do like it, and I think it'll be a lot of fun. You could get it for cheap, but, you know, not bad. We're going to get to your land yacht next. We are. So this is Todd Bianco with John McLellan. You're listening to All Ripped Up, and I have ra- on Radio 111. And we will be right back.
Radio 111 is talking all things automotive on All Revved Up with Todd Bianco. Welcome back. I'm here with John McMullen. We're talking Bring a Trailer and my picks this week. My pick starts with the 1977 Oldsmobile Tornado Brom Coupe. It is a barge of all barges. The love boat. It, 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 is, it is the last <laughs> gasp of General Motors' personal luxury. I mean, the last gasp. I mean, you know, this was like a silver, uh, you know, this was just one step below the uh, and El Dorado. honestly, it should have been their last gasp because the thing was uglier than sin. Well, it, it doesn't get the same love that the Cadillac gets, that's for sure. No. Even though they're on, you know, essentially the same car. Right. It says this, this uh, 1977 Oldsmobile Toronado was first delivered to Sturgeon and Beck Oldsmobile in Tulare, California, and was acquired by the selling dealer in 2021, reportedly from the grandson of the original owner. That, I believe. And the car is finished in white over tan upholstery, but it's not just tan upholstery, is it, John? No. It is cushioned. It has. It, oh, it it's has, lovely. It's it's a velour striped cushion with. I mean, you know, with with buttons on it and everything. I've else. always wanted napkins to clean my face after I got sick <laughs> with uh, something that looked like that. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it has a 403 cubic inch V8 paired with a three-speed automatic. Features include a Landau quarter roof, chrome bumpers, and trim air conditioning, cruise control, AM, FM cassette radio, power-assisted front displays, and power-adjustable front seats. The Toronado Brom shows 26,000 miles and is offered at no reserve uh, with the window sticker and the manufacturer's literature. And I, I just have to and read... it did sell. It did sell. Just sold a few minutes ago for yeah. ten thousand seven fifty. Somebody's going to pa- we're going to bring that to Palm Springs. I can I can see it now. <laughs> but but you know, uh, and they're going to pay that much in gas each uh, oh, every year. Seven miles a gallon. Yeah. Uh, this uh, but what I, I this four hundred cubic inch V eight four hundred three cubic inch V eight was fitted with a crank triggered electronic ignition system and was factory rated at one hundred and eighty five horsepower. <laughs> 185. This is called Malay's era. It, it, it can't get good. It, it, you know, it's it's got a huge V8 with 185 horsepower, with 325 pound-feet of torque. That's a lot of torque, you know, for for a, for a car with only 185 horsepower. Okay. <sighs> all right. All right. All right. Um, my next pick is really I, quite beautiful. I, I I think it's beautiful. It's a 1963 Lancia uh, uh, Flamina uh, 3B Coupe. The Italians do know how to how to make a car look pretty. And they really do. Yeah. So what the hell's happened at Fiat? <laughs> <laughs> well, again, once again, Fiat does own Lancia. It is it is one of their brands. Uh, I don't I don't know if they're Maybe actually. Maybe they need to share designers and engineers. Uh, well, I don't, you know something needs to happen. But this 1963 Lancia Fl- Fl- Flamina. Uh, 3B Coupe is uh, finished in gray and black over brown leather and is powered by a 2.5 liter V6 paired with a four-speed manual transaxle. Features include a hood scoop, a Solex three-barrel carburetor, a D. Dion uh, rear end, and a Becker AM-FM push-button radio, four-wheel disc brakes, which is really cool for something from 63, and a steering wheel with bright... uh, uh, and, and and steel wheels with bright hubcaps and trim rings. The car was reportedly refurbished in 2012 and was, uh, was acquired by the seller and relocated to California in 2021. The Flamina uh, 3B Coupe is uh, now offered in California with a clean Montana title. <laughs> Don't want to pay the taxes. In the name of the seller's LLC. Mm-hmm. It is in Alamo, California, which is up north. 
and has it you know they don't know how many miles are on it. it shows uh, 800 miles and that's you know they don't know how many miles are really on the car here's the thing i i really do actually and generally speaking i would say i don't like this color of interior but i think it looks really good i do think though that it does not match the exterior color of the car it's like trade one or the other you know it, I, it's a nice looking car it, it is a very nice looking car i i don't know the, the gray with the with the sort of what would you call that color it's uh, you mean on the exterior? No, the interior, brown. Oh, it's <laughs> like a caramel. Yeah, uh, I mean it's it, it, those are I see those paired quite a bit, and that was considered appropriate, I guess, at that time. Yeah, I mean it's it's caramel seating and 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 carpeting is uh like a camel tan. Yeah, yeah, it, it uh, yeah much it's much lighter than the seats and the and the, the door yeah. trim. Uh, it's but it's a good looking car, and so it, it's at fifty two thousand dollars right now, and it ends in three days. Uh, then my next pick, I did this on purpose because this is another nineteen sixty seven Toyota two thousand GT. Now the one that we had last week, the one that was white, sold for eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars. This is in also astonishingly nice condition. I mean, it's been completely redone, I'm sure. And it is, um, uh, you know, one of 351 examples built during a three-year production run, said to have originally been built, been sold in Mozambique, John, Mozambique. Remember when they had a country in Africa called that? Hmm. Well, it was probably some dictator there that bought it, right? Probably. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I yeah, it's a reportedly acquired by a South African collector in the late 70s and it made a brief stop in the U.S. in 86 before being purchased by a Costa Rican Toyota importer with whom it spent the following 28 years. Uh, refurbishment was performed by uh, Rosta Rica Classica uh, Costa Rica between 2013 and 2014 before purchased, before purchased by a UK owner who commissioned a further refreshing before the car was acquired by the seller in a 2016 BAT auction finished in solar red over black vinyl. It is powered by a, a 1.98 cc dual overhead count inline six that breathes through a, a triple... Um, Mikuni Solex carburetor. Uh, additional equipment includes a five-speed manual transmission, a limited slip differential, servo-assisted disc brakes, four-wheel independent suspension, and a 15-inch uh, magnesium alloy wheels. It's offered at refurbished re- records and photos, invoices, etc., cetera, uh, and a clean Texas title. It, but it is in Dallas. I mean, for what it's worth, it's, it's, it's in Dallas, and it's got a Texas title. Now, I'm I I'm convinced that the person put it for sale the moment that he saw the other one sell for eight fifty. I'm I'm betting, yeah. You know, absolutely. literally said, "Ooh, that one sold for eight fifty. Well, I've got one just as nice. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And here it is at six fifty. Yeah, it's already at six fifty, and it's got six days left. You yeah. know, that's five know. days, twenty hours, nineteen minutes, and forty seven seconds. Yeah, so that's you know, quite a bit. Now, the next one is a bit of a change for a Japanese car because it was never sold here. This is a 1991 Honda Beat. It is... This is a little neat car. It's a cute little... It's, a, it's the Japanese market key, K-E-I, uh, car. And it has a mid-engine, right-hand drive Roadster that was imported from Japan to the U.S. in 2018. It was previously sold on BAT in uh, December of 2018 and later purchased by the seller on BAT in 2020. So it's had quite a history. <laughs> and it, so, I, so it was sold in 2018. They kept it two years. It was purchased by the new guy in 2020, in August of 2020. And now he's dumping it at the end of 2021. 
Okay. Oh, he had plenty of time to go out and play around during the pandemic, and now he's tired. He's in Norman, Oklahoma. What else is there to do? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, Oklahoma. I, the car is well, finished. The, the college is there. The university. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The car is finished in Festival Red over a zebra print. You don't get zebra print very often. Cloth you better, upholstery. You better like zebras. Yes. In power, powered by a, five, a 600, 656 cubic inch, so a tiny inline three paired with the five-speed manual transmission equipment includes a black soft top uh, a zip out rear window staggered diameter uh n key wheels air conditioning electric windows and a factory gathers uh, cassette stereo uh work during current ownership is said to have included rust repairs servicing of the air conditioning system and replacement of ignition components this beat is now offered at no reserve with recent service records and a clean oklahoma title in the seller's name I worry that what may have been the problem is that maybe there was a place that had zebras in uh, Norman, Oklahoma, and they tried to um, mate with the car. It's possible. And the person uh, just said, oh, I can't deal with this anymore. That psychologically ruined me and my kid. It did. Something happened. I don't know yeah. what, but something happened. It just has a kind of cool, it's very Honda-ish inside. There's no airbags. And, you know, it it, it has zebra print uh, for the, uh, the uh, floor mats as well, John. Yep, I saw that. Yeah. That's why uh, I said you must really like Zebra to have this yes, car. Yes, <laughs> you do. And, and it's got a mid-engine, which is very unusual. And it's got rear, uh, I think it's a rear-wheel drive, so it's not a front-wheel drive car. Uh, it's kind of interesting. I, I bet it's actually kind of fun to drive. You know, I've never driven a right-hand driving car, and I'm not sure if it would, um, you know, kind of psych me out to have to drive one of them. It's difficult here, and I can I can tell you why. Because I, I drove I drove a, a car in Australia, and I drove a right hand drive here, because here all the signs are positioned for you to see as a left hand driver. Right. And when you're stuck on the other side, the signs are not positioned for you to see. You know, stoplights. You know, other, all sorts of other signs. Yeah. The road is not meant. You know, uh, is not position for you to be driving that car so it, it it all sort of disorienting it seemed to me that you know there, this is one thing that there should have been a global standard on you know for all cars yeah i mean but we're stuck with half you know those, these people have right hand and then left hand drive it's yeah one of those things i mean uh, why does japan and great britain have right hand drive in south africa i have no idea yeah yeah it just it just is it's so. weird yeah they're weird it is weird all right, so my last car is I thought was very interesting because it's a 2021 Ford Bronco first edition four-door SEMA build. The SEMA is a specialty equipment manufacturers association, and they have a gigantic show every year in Las Vegas. They just ended yesterday. So it was like the last four days, uh, you know, this is this huge show where they take these cars, they take any one of a, a, a like a standard, uh, you know, Ford Bronco, this was one, or a Ford F-150, or a, a Chevy pickup truck, and they do everything. They lift it, they chrome it, they, you know, they put all sorts of, you know, after, you know, they, they redo Ford the upholstery. Is Ford Bronco right now? Yes, yes, okay. you, you can buy one right now. Okay. Well you, well, you can't get one, but you can, you know, go to the dealer and order it yeah. and hope to get it at some point. So the what we're seeing here is basically the new version of that then with all the modifications for the SEMA build. It is. Okay. Which is, I, it's unusual to see it 
because it's you see where it says it's kind of a handsome truck it is it's a good looking truck and and then what they say this is a four-door first edition model uh that was modified by the selling dealer and will be uh, displayed at the sema auto show uh the sema show in las vegas which was from november 2 through november 5 so it's over the truck wears a custom matte britney blue vinyl wrap uh, and features a white which was expensive and a white removable hard top over black leather upholstery power comes from a twin turbocharged uh, 2.7 liter V6 paired with a 10 speed automatic that I think that's standard from Ford and an electronic dual range transfer case additional modifications include a 3.5 inch lift kit 17 inch M- KMC Ro- Roswell wheels uh, vintage style fender badges um Diode Diode Dynamics light kit. Got to have lights, extra lights. And rock slide rocker panel guards uh, with retractable steps. This first edition Bronco has approximately 70 miles and is now offered at no reserve with a clean Carfax report. Well, I would hope it's a clean Carfax report. I mean, let's hope that over the 70 miles it didn't get totaled. Um, And um, Missouri title. And it is in Chesterfield, Missouri. Yeah, it's a sharp vehicle. It's a sharp vehicle. It's bidding at 79,500 it ends in four days. Uh, when we get back, John, we're going to talk, we're going to look at some vintage window stickers. This is Todd Bianco with John McMullen, all revved up on Radio 111. Radio 111 showroom. Todd Bianco is talking automotive industry news and insight. All revved up continues. Here's Todd. Welcome back. I'm here with John McMullen. Hello, John. Hey, Todd. And we're going to look at some vintage uh, window stickers from cars of the past. Let's start with this first one. It's a 1970, 1970 Pontiac GTO hardtop coupe in orbit orange, no less. And this is from Cleveland, Ohio, Paradise Pontiac, Inc. And uh, let's see. The uh, uh, the car is $3,267, but there are options. There's the four-speed close ratio transmission for $184.80. The judge option. Remember the judge? I don't. Uh, yeah, that was one of those options that you stuck on a GPO and GTO, and it was like you get some other, you know, it usually was in orange. You know, orange was the color, and it said the judge on it. It was from, you know, it was a very 70s thing, and it was probably from some TV show. Or probably something. comes out of, like, uh, the Flip Wilson show, you yeah, know? He come to judge. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. The AM FM radio was a whopping $133. I mean, compared to the uh, special order axle, which was $2.00. And eleven cents, and you know, uh, and the cluster and tack uh, rally gauge, it was eighty four dollars. Safety track differential, sixty three dollars. What else have we got here? Um, uh, f- uh, fan clutch heavy duty, 
was $15.80. Heavy duty battery was $6.32. And a, you know, radiator uh, heavy duty was uh, $14.74. And the white sidewall tires, though, John, were $30.54. If only now. Yes, if only. So the. Um, so with transportation of $43.25, service and rep. I don't know what service and rep is. I think that's something the dealer tacked on just to make more money. Is that like pigs in a blanket? Something to that. Uh, and uh, d- so it was uh, $4,467. Now, by contrast, I have a 1970 Volkswagen Carmangia. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in Orangeburg, New York, no less. Uh, from and it was sold, that's who it was distributed by, and it was sold. Uh, the dealer name was Cortland Foreign Manu- uh, Manufacturers uh, in Cortland, New, uh, New York. New York, yeah. and it was from uh, the the dealer was from Englewood Cliffs, New Jersey, and it has. Uh, this is it. I mean, it, it comes with uh, the, the price is $2,399. And it has standard equipment. It's front disc brakes, heater, and defroster. Wow, standard equipment is heater and defroster. Leatherette upholstery. Electric clock. Day and night mirror. Rear window defrogger. defogger, uh, Steering wheel lock. Leatherette. Is that like Naga hide? It's called vinyl. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. it's, it, might be knitted, it might be knitted vinyl. I don't know. Oh, okay. uh, front bucket seats. And a four-speed transmission, and you know what was extra on the car was the five white sidewall tires for twenty-nine dollars and fifty cents. So that was the only option on the car, and it was twenty. So the total was two thousand four hundred and fifty-six dollars. Wow. <laughs> ah, yes, those were the days, right? <clears throat> those were the days. Now. We, we talked about the barge that was sold, that Oldsmobile, that 1977 Oldsmobile Toronado uh, coupe that was sold. Um, that I have the window sticker for. And it started life at $8,133. Now, this is 1977 prices, of course. Uh, and uh, they were some very expensive options on this car. Uh, the six-way driver's seat and passenger seat were each $139. Uh, what else was expensive here? Uh, door locks, uh, windows, power... Uh, Ninety-six dollars. Uh, what else? Here we go. Oh yes, the uh, the uh, uh, AM/FM stereo with tape player, three hundred and forty-one dollars. Dwarfs everything else. And then there's one thing: is the appearance option package, which was the Landau roof and four accent stripes, three hundred dollars. So the total, wow. yeah, the total accessories was one thousand six hundred and forty-five dollars. Destination charge of four hundred and twenty-one. Wow, that went up in a few years. And uh, t- so the total amount, I guess that was during the gas crisis too. Total amount was ten thousand one hundred ninety-nine dollars and fifty-five cents. A bargain, right? Yeah. Well, and then the last one I have is a nineteen seventy-three Malibu SS wagon. And it's uh, started life at $3,551. And the big options on it, again, were the V8 engine for 235 Air conditioning was a whopping $397. And the, force, and then the hydromatic transmission was 231 And the AM-FM stereo radio, no tape, was 233 And the, let's see, roof carrier 
Oh, the SS equipment, I'm sorry. SS equipment was $249.50. So the total options was $1,925.50 for a total of $5,497.15. Wow. Yeah. So that was a well-equipped wagon. Got to hand it to them. Well, uh, this has uh, been fun, John. I always have fun with Bring a Trailer with you. Yeah. Uh, and It uh, was fun today. We will, of course, do it again next week. I'll be if, looking forward to seeing if, if that... Uh, that Toyota ends up yeah. uh, matching or exceeding what the one went for last week. You never know. So this is Todd Bianco. You're, you're listening to Radio 111 all revved up. And we'll see you next week.